Welcome to Whiskey and War Stories, the podcast where two veterans and their guests share the raw and real tales of their military and first responder experiences, delving into the depths of mental health, PTSD, and the triumphs that emerge from the toughest battles. Join us as we uncork stories, sip on wisdom, and navigate the path to resiliency. Welcome back for season two, episode one. Wow. What's up, homie? What's up, homie? Dang, season yeah, it feels two. Good. It feels good to be back. It feels great. I was actually like aching to to come back on the on the show and Well, someone decided to go be Survivor Man and go on a vacation Costa Rica. In the tropics. It was nice. I highly recommend it. Yeah, but here we are, man. Here we are with uh season two, episode one. Yeah, we got uh, I'm excited because you know, we got a good lineup of, of guests. Um a good way to kick it off with with our with our guest for this episode. Yeah. No, nope, for sure. Super excited, man. Yeah. Um uh, before we like really get into this and uh and you know, we're, we're still keeping tradition talking about the fallen hero. Um but there there's some big things coming. You know, there's some big things coming for season 2. Yep. Um one of them we've actually already uh we've already talked about and we uh put it out on our Instagram and that's our website. Um, for those listeners out there that aren't on Instagram or haven't seen our, our post or anything about it. Um, we actually came out with a website and you can go check it out at whiskey and war stories dot Um, and on there we actually have merch. Now we have uh, some, some sweaters out for, for winter, um, a couple t-shirts, and uh yeah man this is all going back to us so we can build this up and hopefully touch lives outside of here you know that's kind of the main goal is 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 you know i feel like that's why we started this is yeah to to get people out there and and you know make sure that they're being taken care of we're losing too many we're losing way too many brothers and sisters Yeah, yeah still still um so, like I said, as customary, we like to dedicate each and every episode to a fallen hero. And today's fallen hero, oh, sorry, I apologize. My my phone is taking a little while to uh, to come up. Um, so, today's fallen hero is for Chief Petty Officer William Ryan Owens. He uh, died supporting U.S. Central Command operations. He is uh, he was 36 of Peoria, Illinois, assigned to a special warfare unit based on the U.S. East Coast, and he died of wounds sustained in a raid against Al Qaeda. Um, you know, side note of uh, of this casualty or this fallen hero is he was actually the first American war casual- casualty. Um, under uh, Trump, I think it says first or only. One says only, so maybe we'd have to do some research on that. But to Chief Petty Officer William Ryan Owens, thank you, brother. We'll take it from here. Rest easy. Yeah, rest easy. Cheers. Cheers, cheers, cheers. Cheers, my friend. Cheers. That's a good one. Mm. Mm. So, uh, hi, man. All right. Whiskey time? Whiskey time. What are we choosing with? All right. As is customary, we're going to 
start the new season off with a lineup of different bourbons. <clears throat> and today's episode is going to be brought to you by Bib, B-I-B, Bib and Tucker, small batch bourbon whiskey, aged six years. During America's rough and tumble early days, your finest attire was referred to as a Bib and Tucker. Bib and Tucker bourbon is artfully crafted and patiently aged for six years in Tennessee. I did not know that. It's pretty interesting. And just a quick little story about this. Yeah. You know, I went to the store to go look for a bourbon, mm-hmm. you know, that we, you know, we pick a different bourbon every episode, obviously. And I like to, you know, I try to figure out if this like got 93 points or whatever, like if it's a good bourbon. And there's so many at Total Wine where I went. And there was a gentleman there that was putting two of these in his shopping cart. And I said, hey, is that a good whiskey? And he said, it's the best. And I'm like, really? <laughs> those, are, those are fighting words. Yeah. Well, what are right. I've, <laughs> I've never even heard of this whiskey. And he swore by it. He says everybody he's ever given it to, to, to drink loves it. So I said, okay, sold. Took it, put the bottle in my cart, and I went to go pay for it. And the cashier was like, oh, Bib and Tucker. And I'm like, yeah. Really? She's like, excellent whiskey. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> All right. So there was high expectations coming in here. Maybe, maybe the old man putting the two, I think he was just probably like a decoy at the store for Bib and Tucker. <laughs> yeah. And was like, Hey, I'm going to sell people on this. That's why. He and was then, and then total, it. total wine is having like a promotion where if the manager signs off on like, Hey, this is delicious. He gets a, a, a maybe, maybe he's a fluffer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There, there's some type, type of kickback that uh, total wines is getting. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't lie though. It is delicious. It is it's really good. good. It's good. Um, you know when you came in and you started talking you told me the story i i'm really hesitant when people come in or when people tell me about a specific bourbon or whiskey alcohol and they're hyping it up so high that when i finally do try i'm just like uh, it was all right you know so my expectations were actually really high with this and it exceeded i like it i was a little nervous because it's 92 proof so i thought that was gonna be a, you know, a little on the on the burn side, but I think it's smooth. It's not bad, yeah. It's actually kind of sweet. I'm getting sweet on it. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know. Give me, give me, give me the flavor profile. Right. One of the guys at work, Blair Hornby, if you're listening, here's your, here's your flavor profile. There you go. <sighs> what do you got? Oh man. Um. So. This is going to sound really weird, but I'm getting like a tiny bit of vanilla. I'm getting a bunch of oak. I'm getting like that oaky yeah. and, and almost like a smoke taste with it. Mm-hmm. But that like aftertaste, like once you kind of put it down, I get like this vanilla kind of flavor in the back. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. I yeah. could be full of shit. <clears throat> I said it the first drink. I, I taste like the boldness of it. And yeah. And it just, it just smooths out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think we're getting good at this. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I think we, I don't know if it's because we drink too much of it now, or just. But I, I will say this: you can put whiskeys in front of me, and I can drink them, and I can't tell you oh, what no, brands they are for sure. I for can tell sure. you what they taste if they taste good or not. Yeah, but I couldn't tell you. I'm you know, you like, you put a gold bar in front of us. And I'm like, that tastes like crap. Yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> that's horrible. No, but this was not bad. This was not bad. Um. It's really good, uh, but there is a bourbon that I'm really excited to try, and I'm going to let you talk about it, Hyman. Yes. So, <clears throat> if you remember our live podcast that evolved to Cillian Claremont, um, 
they actually started bottling a whiskey at their distillery in Claremont, above the stilling, and it's a small batch. It's a private small batch bourbon, mm. and the bourbon is labeled after our podcast. Mm-hmm. So it's Evolve Distilling nice. and their label says Whiskey and War Stories and it's got the batch number and it's got the bottle mm-hmm. number and a portion of the proceeds from the sales mm. of that bourbon is going to go back to Whiskey and War Stories and you know in turn we're going to use it to you know try to support you know our cause and help mm-hmm. out people yeah. with PTSD and stuff yeah. like that. Awesome. Um, yeah, so and that's uh you know that's thanks to to the owners that evolved the stilling. Yeah. Um Steven and Rena. Uh great people. If you haven't been to Evolve the Stilling, please go. It's yes. uh located at 1420 North Claremont Boulevard, Suite 111A Claremont, and it's a little quaint place and it's I mean it's beautiful. Yeah, it's no, nice. It really is. It's, it's, nice. it's really nice. Have you yeah. been? It's 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 small, it's quaint, but it's it's really beautiful inside and yeah. the drinks are just it, it honestly for me it's a hidden gem because from the outside you you know you wouldn't be able to tell that there's a distillery there or anything like that but you walk in and and what steve and rena did with the place is it's just it's gorgeous inside yeah, it's beautiful it's yeah. very intimate mm-hmm. um they offer uh they offer um like spirits tasting yeah. there mm-hmm. you can try all the spirits that they distill there you know at home pretty much yeah. um you could check them out but uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm super excited to go try it out. Um, on on the bottle, on the label, not only does it you know have whiskey and war stories on it, but also uh, there's like a little story behind, yeah, a little story yeah behind. why why they did it and yeah. and you know them helping us out. So truly appreciate them at uh, Evolve. So yeah. cheers to them as cheers well. You know, cheers. Cheers to Steven and Rena and Evolve Distilling and all the the employees there as well. Yes, and, yes. Uh, such great hosts to us. All right. Guest time. Awesome. Um, are we? Are you pushing a button or what? Are we no, doing? no, no. We're, I thought you were no. going to do like a. I mean, once once you bring him on, hey, like bro. This is season two, episode one. Like, I'm, I know what I'm doing. Right. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Isn't that your first barbecue. <sighs> Say my first uh, rodeo. Yeah. <clears throat> so, really excited to bring in. What a great way to actually kick off season mm-hmm. season two, episode one. Um, our guest for this episode to kick off the season, uh, we both work together. He's a lieutenant at the uh, Pomona Police Department. Um, he's assigned as a watch commander, and he's also um, a SWAT commander for the Pomona Police Department. Um, you know, I'll, he'll probably get into it, but he and I have worked uh, some details together as young cops. You know, we were on the gang unit together. Uh, at one point, our paths had crossed on a federal task force together, and just a solid guy. Um, and as a matter of fact, some of our listeners might even be familiar with him because, <laughs> especially the parents, they might be familiar with Scott that have kids. Mm-hmm. Because if their kids play with like Barbie dolls, no, they, they, they will <laughs> listen to me. Listen to me. It's not a joke. They they will have seen Scott because he looks like a fucking human Ken doll. Oh my god! Blonde hair, blue eyes. They call him Ken doll at work. So I swear they modeled Whoa. the Ken doll after Scott Hess. All right, but without further ado, I want to welcome Scott Hess. <laughs> Thank you, man. 
Scotty, welcome, brother. Thanks, pal. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. Thanks, yeah, good to see you again, brother. Thank you. Is Thank this you. Uh, this is your first podcast? Or? It is. It is my first one. All right. We love popping podcasts. Yeah, apparently, yes. Yep. Uh, How's that a can? <laughs> Something that we do here. Can you add that to the, the can we get like a popping sound for the <laughs> Yeah, I'll record myself doing that. <laughs> I do have a question though before we dive into that's it. Yeah. Into, yeah, how do you feel at the fact that that you know you're called the Ken doll and and you have to hold I, such a high I image? Didn't, I didn't even tell you the other name they call him. They call him Scotty the Body. <laughs> that's the other name they've been calling him that for years. <laughs> I'm like, how much pressure is on your shoulders that you have to keep this image up? You guys are trying to embarrass me now. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta live with it every day. There you go. There you go. And he eats like king size candy bars and shit. And he's like, "Hey, dude, that's why, that's why I work out." He's I'm gonna say your wife so, keeps so you humble, huh? If I can do it, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Food. I'm a big fan. That's awesome. Um, so, Scotty, tell us about your background. Tell us, you know, how you grew up. Tell us about your family life. Uh, you know what led you to be a police officer? You know, high school. Tell us all that stuff. Tell us about yourself. Uh, I grew up with a uh, within a military family. In oh. fact, um, which branch? Uh, Marines. My why, did I, why did I ask that? <laughs> why did I ask that? Yeah. Heavy in here already, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I uh, grew up within a military family. Um, my uh, father uh, was in the Marine Corps. Uh, I spent a lot of time overseas. Um, I was born overseas. Uh, my father was assigned to the uh, embassy duty, mm-hmm. uh, master sergeant. Um, so he ran all the, uh, Marines at the, uh, at the embassies. Nice. Um, and it was, you know, I, I found out later on, uh, how we ended up, uh, overseas and you know, where we went, that was all based upon my mother. My dad would come home with a list. Hey honey, this is where we can go. <laughs> and, and he would literally hand the list over to her and she, picked. And she would pick. So, um, where were you born? I was born in Germany. Oh, wow. Actually. But that was as a result of uh, some medical complications my mom was having. My parents were living in Kathmandu, Nepal at the time. Uh, I was going to say, that's where the blonde hair, blue eyes came from. <laughs> she said that the, like, when, 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 when we went back after I was born, uh, a lot of them had never seen you know, anybody with blonde hair. So all they wanted to do was touch my blonde hair. Like I had like a, it was like a Wait, straight who, toe head. Who? <laughs> like the locals. In, in... in Nepal. Oh, no way. In Nepal, yeah. <laughs> You're like a god almost, sir, probably. <laughs> she said it was weird, but it is, yeah, it is what it just is. Just rub the lucky head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, straight toe head, long, like just white hair, man. That's awesome. You're so, in Children of the Corn. Yeah, it, it, yeah, you see some little pictures of it. It's, it's not too far off. But um, yeah, so uh, we, uh, you know, as a, as a young child, I uh, lived in Nepal. Then we came back to the United States, uh, to North Carolina. Uh, Dad did a bunch of training. He went over to uh, overseas to Okinawa on a couple of uh, trips, uh, training evolutions, if you will. Uh, and then eventually we, again, he got his choice of duty, uh, brought home a list. Uh, Mom chose uh, Accra, Ghana in Africa. Uh, and uh, we went there. It was a, I mean, it was a great experience. I wish I was a little older yeah. uh, to have... Uh, absorbed it a little more if you will yeah um but uh it was still a lot of fun it was definitely a hardcore third world country um while he was there he actually got uh he was awarded the 
uh, number one detachment in the world. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. While that was ranked the worst place to be in the world. No way. Yeah. Yeah. It was, wow. uh, it was you know, under complete government control. Uh, I would say, you know, don't quote me. I want to say within weeks, couple weeks to a month when we were there, they tried to overthrow the embassy. The local government tried to overthrow the embassy. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, it was wild. You know, and I didn't, I didn't I'm a kid. How yeah. old are you? What do I know? Um, at that time, probably about eight. Oh, so, um, you guys going there and your dad working for the embassy. Now, I'm assuming they have um, like a gated off area for the families to live at. Like, you guys live within the embassy. Like, how does no, how does that work? They provided housing. So you're like living within for, with for, the locals. For somebody of his uh, rank, if you will, uh, they provided actual housing. Um, the other Marines, they would live at the Marine house. Mm. Um, but somebody of his rank, they provided actual housing. But among the locals? Yeah. Oh, no way. No, 100%, yeah. Wow. Um, and, I mean, it, it was kind of funny. That house was so big, uh, like I would, I created a, a bicycle track in the hallway. Oh, Literally, wow. to ride my bike. I would ride my bike in the house wow. because it's so big. Um, the Marines do it right. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say something, but it would get, it would get us canceled. <laughs> the Marines do it right, baby. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it was yeah. You know, it was, it was to the point where like they put a refrigerator outside their master bedroom because it was so far to walk to the uh, oh, wow. to the actual kitchen. <clears throat> but anyway, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a side note. I guess the perks of being in a third world country, <laughs> but, you know, dude. Yeah, but I mean, we had to we had to have. Um, uh, you know, they were locals, but we had to have uh, day guards, night guards, 24-7. So, so how was schooling? Uh, mom put me into a, uh, what would be a, 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 an American school, if you will, um, out there. They did have one because okay. there were Westerners uh, out there uh, for, you know, a variety of jobs. We had friends that, uh, you know, ran, um, you know, one, one group of friends we had, they ran a uh, oil company or a oil rig mm. out there. We had somebody else, some other good friends that uh, he was an executive in uh, Starkist Tuna. They had a Starkist Tuna plant out there. Wow. Um, but uh, all, the, all the Westerners, if you will, we'll call them that, they all stuck together. Um, and uh, it was a non, like I said, I wish I was a little older, but it was a nonstop party for those guys. Nonstop. Really? Yeah. Um, and everybody would just get together every night. Uh, probably at least four nights out of the week. Um, a standard weekend is we had a, they had a private beach. <laughs> yeah. The Marines had a private beach. Um, and who we, knew that the Marines could give such nice things? See, I uh, don't say see, because you didn't experience any of that. No, I didn't, but I know it's out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, we go to, we go to the beach, uh, you know, uh, every Saturday, um, come home, we go to somebody's home and, cook uh you know that we'd get somebody to bring by you know a massive pot of lobsters you know we're gonna feed you know and they would literally trade a like a six pack and a, and a car, uh, pack of cigarettes for i don't know you know 50 lobsters it was ridiculous what but anyway so that, i mean that was it was a great experience you know i look back at that as a you know invaluable experience for yeah. uh, me as a child um and uh you know the interaction with the marines um, was phenomenal. Like I said, I was, I was brought up under that umbrella of, you know, military. Yeah. Um, and then eventually we, uh, we left there, um, went to London, England. And, uh, you know, that was completely different, completely different. 
uh, went from you know uh, going to school, going back to what you said, Q. I apologize. Went to a Americanized school. Mom didn't think it was any good, mm-hmm. so she stuck me in an international school. Um, and it was uh, and that was it was fine. I had, it was cool. You know, made a lot of friends. Um, but uh, it was you know basically under a roof, no walls, because it was so hot. Oh, okay. That you'd probably start around, you know, 8 o'clock and you'd be done by noon because it'd be too hot. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, completely, everything was completely controlled by the military. There was curfew and the curfew, you know, ranged from 6 uh, p.m. to, you know, say midnight. And, and you didn't mess around. You get, you know, checkpoints, things of that nature. Um, and the only thing that, you know, kind of gave us a little bit of protection was we had diplomatic license plates on our car. You know, so it's, they would mess with you a little bit, but not much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, then on to, uh, London, England, my dad retired. Um, and then he, uh, after retirement, we moved back to, uh, Michigan where my entire family is from. Uh, he sent out a headhunter for a job. Hey, find me a job somewhere. Um, and one of the caveats was, uh, find me a job. I don't really care where I go. Uh, I just don't want to go to California. <laughs> For whatever reason, my, my mom and dad did a very short stint here in California and just didn't dig it. And uh, the guy comes back, hey, man, I got a great job for you out in California. <laughs> and that's what, brought, that's what brought us here. That's what brought us here. Wow. So, how, long, how long did your folks stay here in California before they moved back to Michigan? Boy, let me think about that one. Um, maybe around 2006 or so. Oh, okay. Yeah, they both ended up retiring out here. Um, our entire family's back there. Uh, you know, there's long conversations with them about like leaving me out here. And no, no, you guys have earned whatever you want to do. Uh, you, you've lived a good life so far. I want you to live the you know the best of the rest of your life. Yeah, of course. Uh, and if that's where you want to go, um, you know, I completely support you. Um, you know, I'll just be buying a lot of plane tickets. So, <laughs> so that's what we did. You said uh, you you made it sound singular. Are you the only child? I am the only child. Ah. I am the only child. Uh, there was uh, uh, other attempts, but like I said, I, I was even, uh, my mom had complications with uh, giving birth to me. Mm. And uh, so they had tried a couple more times. It was not happening. And so eventually, that's the story I was given, you know, like, like hey, that, that's it. Yeah. You know, we're not going to. So you're just the anymore. Ken doll that they got. The only I'm, Ken doll. I'm the only the one, one left, man. Ken doll. Yeah. Wow. So, so you come to California and obviously you 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 like the lay of the land because you stayed. Right? I did. That... I did. I did. I, you know, I went to high school um, out here. Um, uh, Where'd you guys live when you guys were out here? Uh, we showed up in San Dimas. Our first. Oh, okay. We, oh, uh, in San kinda Dimas. Local. Yeah. Local. Yeah. yeah. Uh, showed up in San Dimas. Stayed there for a couple of years. They bought a house in Claremont. Oh, nice. Um, for a uh, you know all throughout high school, uh, and there was like I don't want to call it a blip, but they did actually end up going back to Michigan right after high school right after I graduated high school, um, and then came back. Mm. Um, so they were out there for about a year uh, for a temporary job for my dad. That concluded, brought him back here, and they stayed for several more years and then eventually retired and oh, okay. back. So okay. yes. Um, and then uh, I even did a six months in Michigan when they went back. Yeah. And uh, I loved it, but I had become accustomed to the very, the sunshine, yeah, part of it, uh, <laughs> but the pace, the pace of life uh, out here versus out there, which is 
oh, it's just it's fast paced out here, but it's very it's much slower back there. <sighs> I'd love that. Which is not oh, you know it, I, yeah. I I don't knock it one bit, and it's something that I look forward to uh, later on in life. But um, at that time in my you. Know, uh, at that time in life, I, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back. Okay. That, and that makes sense because you said that that was right when you graduated. So you're, you know, late teens, early twenties. Yeah. I, was, okay. I think I, I rolled uh, I, I, no joke. I think I came back when I was, uh, I think my 21st birthday. Okay. I, I was on the road coming back here. Okay. That makes sense. So, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I'd want to come out here too, probably. That's uh, just what I knew. I feel like when you live here in California, you want to go. But when you're somewhere else, you want to come to California. Right? Oh, because God, no. Like, God, no. You know? Heck, no. Well, you want to go to Arizona, so you don't. You want to. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, when you live in California, you want to get out of California. But yeah, but even people. even when I lived out of state, I didn't want to live here. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, 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 that's another that's, story. That's, that's, another, that's, that's another story as to why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, this isn't my episode. This is Scott. Not you, Q. I'll do you later. My cousin got me a job out there working at a boat marina. And I remember people would tell me, like, what are you doing here? Yes. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. This is, well, this is cool. I, I dig it. It's, it's nice. It's, mm-hmm. it's something different. And, uh, you know, like, there's a guy that wanted to go to San Diego. He's like, I can't believe you're here. And, like, <laughs> and I'm here with you. And I want to go to San Diego. Can we switch places? But yeah. anyway. And, and you get the winners out there are. Oh, they're pretty it's fucking a, intense. I oh, know. yeah, yeah. It, they get all four seasons, my friend. Oh, wow. They get oh, all nice. four seasons, yeah. Nice. So, which does make it nice, but it's the winters are intense. Wow. You know, bundled up in the uh, in the wintertime. Yeah. I worked at that marina in the wintertime. Ooh. Ooh. And, uh, you know, running around, stripping, um, you know, the plastic <laughs> off of boats. It's winterized or, or winterizing boats and things of that nature. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, several layers. Wow. But anyway, so I eventually came back. Okay. Um, continued on with my education. Um, started, uh, you know, working, um, you know, my parents were uh, very supportive, but they're like, you're a grown man, yeah. you know, start making things happen for yourself. Um, and as I did, uh, and eventually, uh, started looking into law enforcement. I was never one of those kids from, you know, a small kid that, Oh, I, I want to be a police officer when I grew up. It was never the case. Um, but when I started looking into it, I didn't know what I wanted to do yeah. truthfully. And so when I started looking into law enforcement, uh, I immediately identified it as something that that's what I want to do. That looks fun to me. That I can that I can make a career out of. Um, you know, I guess it's your typical guy thing. I get to work outside, get to, you know, shoot guns and, and do all this cool stuff, but, you know, also enjoy myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, went on a few ride-alongs. Um, even one of the ride-alongs, my, one of my first ride-alongs was uh, with an uh, officer at Pomona, uh, Rob McCrary. Oh yeah! Oh no way! Rob was a guest on our show. Really? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh, That's few awesome. Back. That's awesome. That's awesome. Small I, world. Man. Yeah. Unfortunately, I haven't yeah. talked to him. I would love to talk to him. Um, uh, you know, see how he's doing. But uh, I will definitely check out that uh, that podcast. Yeah. and listen to him. But he was uh, he he knew somebody that I had known, and so that's how I got hooked up with him. Yeah. And um, uh, and yeah, that that was a blast. I remember <laughs> holding you know holding on to my seat, you know. <laughs> Uh, doing probably nine miles an hour down a center median uh, <laughs> on one of the major thoroughfares going like, this is awesome. This is great. You know it's funny. If you yeah. listen to Rob's podcast, <laughs> that was, what you just said, that's like literally like co- cooperate yeah. each other. Yeah. Dude, Cause yeah. like Rob's career was literally yeah. like living at the edge of your fucking seat. Dude. <laughs> it was just like a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. And it's great that Scott said was that. Like, Cause yeah. it's like, it, I was like, you just validated it. Yeah, it adds credibility just, to what yeah. fucking Rob was saying uh-huh. on his podcast. 
Wow. That's funny. So, That's yeah. And then I, um, uh, so then I started testing and I eventually got a job with the, uh, Orange County Sheriff's Department. Okay. Um, which I was very grateful for, uh, spent approximately, uh, four years with them, mm-hmm. uh, worked in the jail, uh, my entire time. Uh, we say my class, the, the, the members of my class were not even slated to go out to patrol for at least six to seven years. Oh you my had to gosh. stay in the jail for about six to seven years before you could actually go out to patrol. Wow. Um, and I had always been from this particular area, uh, Claremont, Rancho Cucamonga, and I had to make a decision whether I'm going to ultimately move down to South Orange County, because mm-hmm. that's where I'd be uh, ultimately probably end up in patrol, uh, or change the course of my career. Mm-hmm. I had nothing against. I actually love the Orange County Sheriff's Department very much. They have been nothing but good to me, um, but I had to do something that was going to be beneficial for me. Yeah. Um, and eventually I uh, went back to Pomona because I'd always had that you know, idea of like, that's where I want to go. Yeah. Um, and so I immediately called some people, um, got in, you know, to a testing process right away, uh, and eventually, uh, got hired. And speaking of Rob McCrary, uh, I remember being hired and then being sent to our range to go pick up your weapon, go qualify and so on. And okay. So I drive up to our range and they just so happen to have, um, SWAT training that day. Rob was on the SWAT team for quite a while. And I start walking down this path back to our range master's office. And he pops up and he's like, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I was trying to be respectful. Like he's this seasoned OG guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm just nobody, you know. And I'm like, uh, sir, I'm, I'm just going to go uh, uh, qualify and see the range master. He's like, what'd you do? Get hired by Claremont or something? And I'm like, no, I, I, I just got hired with you guys, Pomona. And he, he was, he was actually, you know, a little pissed off that I didn't call him and tell him that like, well, I wanted to do it on my own merits, you know, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, he was like, all right, cool. You know, went about his day, but, uh, yeah, that's a funny story about the uh, Rob. Nice. Wow. So then I, uh, yeah, I've been with the, uh, Pomona police department for, geez, since 2004. So, uh, total, I have, uh, over 23 years law enforcement experience. And you have... 20 with Pomona almost, right? Like yes, 20? sir. Almost. Now, just, <clears throat> you know, it's funny is S- S- Scott is like a rare breed sort of within law enforcement because there's there's certain people that are really good team players, mm-hmm. right? And wherever you put them, they they work well in teams. A lot of people aren't like that, but there's you know, there's a, people that are cut from a mold that are like that. Yeah. And, you know, Scott's just a good team player. He's just got a good attitude. Like, everybody likes Scott because he's got a really good attitude. So he's been fortunate to work, like, nothing but details, special assignments his whole career. Yeah. Like, you have very little patrol, like, under yes, your belt. It, it, and I keep that to my, I keep that close to my chest. <laughs> really? Yeah. Cats out the bags. So I, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, well, it is what it is. I'm far enough along in my career that it's, it's okay. <laughs> but, um, uh, just, yes. just kind of. I mean, just uh, dude. I could think of like four off the top of my head, but just. I mean, what are some of the things that you've worked? Some different assignments that you've worked while you were in Pomona. So I showed up 2004. I go through my uh, generic uh, field training. Mm-hmm. Um, I then uh, proceed to do uh, two more years um, on the street, um, as you know, we all all new guys do, guys and girls. 
uh, and I was uh, fortunate to be selected to a uh, what they called at the time a neighborhood enforcement team. It was just a generic team that dealt with uh, you know community issues. Mm-hmm. I mean everything from gang members running amok uh, to you know putting on community events. Mm-hmm. You know it was a kind of a catch all. Yeah, the net team, right? The net, N E T. They called the net team. They've had numerous acronyms for teams like that in the past. It used to be called the stop team, um, you know. So, uh, but that's where I started on that. Uh, Can I hit something before you start? Please, because I want to touch on something. You were an FTO too for a little bit, right? Yes, sir. So, this is like irony, right? When I got hired in Pomona, it it would have been around 2006, Mm -hmm. right? Probably before your assignment to the net team. Yeah. Um, I was assigned as a trainee on Scott's squad. No way. Yeah. And uh, my, my FTO was Manny. Okay. Yeah. But um, he always had stuff to do like he had. So I never really had him as an FTO. I was with Scott <laughs> during that phase. It was like my third phase in training. Yeah. So Scott trained me nice. during that phase, you know, and, and, Dude, look at look at how and this is just weird, right? I'm, I'll just as a little side note, look at how life works out, right? Who knew that in 2006, when I was like a young boot ass cop, that Scott was training me that as we progressed through our career in life, that we would end up working together on a team as partners, and yeah, then yeah. you know rise through the ranks together and remain in the same department together after all these years, and then here we are you know, 18 years later sitting across from each other at a podcast talking about the yeah. last 18 it, years. It is amazing. And our paths have been very, uh, you know, uh, darn near parallel, man. Yeah. It's been impressive. You know, you think back on it, something like that. And it's, that's uh, neat. I yeah, feel like me. you guys are just kind of like zigzagging with each other. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. That's exactly just what it is. Bump, bump into each other every <laughs> and, now and then and on, the, you know, on the a team. A lot of times that's yeah. what happens. And it, you know, it's like that in the military too, actually yeah. with a lot of people's like they'll cross paths for a little bit. You know, and we've we've worked together on teams, yeah. and and then people get promoted, and then they'll just our schedules will be, and you'll never see them. Yeah, and then a few years later, you'll be back on same teams, and <laughs> yeah. just and yeah. it's you know, and it's been like that with 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 me and Scott. We've always like kind of tailed each other in, uh, okay. in, in careers, even though it's been pa- different paths. It's always yeah. been like parallel though, like yeah. um, and just and just how and how and SWAT too. Like we both. You know, Scott's Scott's been on the SWAT team a few years longer than me, but we both kind of grew up in the SWAT together. But I, I won't still slender. But anyway, Scotty, I just no, I wanted to yeah, interject no, that little point. It there. is. Yeah. Um, he he trained me. He was one of my training officers. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, you know, here I am. <laughs> I would have never expected in the car. Yeah. Like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah, off, yeah, yes yeah. officer has. <laughs> and then years later, here we are. Uh-huh. You know, good friends sitting yeah. across from each other, yeah. having worked 15 years on the SWAT team together, and and sitting across from each other in a fucking podcast talking about life, dude. Who would have? Yeah. Pretty, pretty that's amazing. Awesome. It's, pretty that's awesome. Fucking crazy, bro. But pretty amazing. Anyway, so you did you did a we, FTO. We did, we did net the whole team. FTO net team, and then um, uh, after the net team, uh, we got assigned to gangs. Mm-hmm. And so we went to the gang violence suppression unit. Me and Jaime Ooh. together. Um, which was uh, an absolute blast. Um, enjoyed myself immensely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> sadly, I was only able to do probably like a, a little, just a little less under two years. Yeah. Uh, and then I got promoted to the position of corporal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I went back to patrol um, for a year. Uh, and then I went, moved on to a uh, federal task force uh, after that, which I did several years on, which was great. Um, and, you know, we talked about another parallel. He was on the same one. 
He's on that same task force later on. Um, moved on from uh, there. I got promoted to sergeant. Uh, went back to patrol. Um, and then I went to our uh, training bureau. Uh, where I dealt with all the hiring, all the training. Okay. Uh, of For the, one year, he went back to patrol. Again. <laughs> if you, all, all the cops that are listening are like, "Fuck this motherfucker, dude!" Yeah. <laughs> if you add it up, if and okay, so I go, I go there, and then I, I, I did a like a three and a half year stint there at training, <laughs> and then I figure, okay, I'm not, I'm going back to patrol. It is what it is. Yeah. And uh, Jaime was on the uh, uh, special investigations unit at that time. Yeah. And there was going to be some shuffling. <laughs> and I just so happened to put in for uh, uh, the special investigations unit. And oh, dude, I forgot you had, you, had, you had took that spot after me. Yes, I did, sir. You have worked a lot of details. Uh, I know. It's, I'm hating on you now, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, actually, he, he – dude, he's worked – dude, you work so many fucking details, bro. It's insane. It's, it's fucking insane. I forgot that after you went to training, you went back to a field yes. assignment again. Yes. So, when I left our SIU, which is like our fugitive mm-hmm. apprehension undercover yeah, yeah. kind of a team – I went to the detective bureau yeah, as a detective bureau sergeant and he took my spot <laughs> on SIU. Mm-hmm. So they were, I forgot about that. So that I did a good stint there. Yeah, so we were, our careers have really been parallel. Dude. It's, it's, it's so, ironic, but you know, not to rub it in, but this is what, this is what I keep close to no longer because it's, I put it on blast right now, <laughs> but so we might as well take note of it. Two years after training, I did two years in patrol. I did a year as a corporal and a year as a sergeant. <laughs> and that's it? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, you know, probably give or take a couple months, yes. So I've been fortunate. Been very, very fortunate. <laughs> I, and, and I also cannot bitch either, but yes. Yes, nor can you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you start adding yours up and you're like, okay, you probably have yeah, right there with me, yeah. my friend. Four, so. Only four years of patrolling, something like that? But it's been good. It's been good that the, the agency has been very good to me. Um, I have no complaints and uh, no regrets about my career. Well, I feel like, you know, our listeners that are not in law enforcement, they're probably going to hear this and be like, oh, four years, the man probably doesn't have a lot of experience or stories of, you know, things getting a little hairy, a little spicy. I get, yeah. Um, I mean, out of, out of the, the, uh, all the details that you've worked, um, if you don't mind kind of diving into which detail was the one that really kind of triggered, no, I shouldn't say trigger you, but, um, really tested your, your, your mental, uh, tenacity. Well, we'll talk about what started that. And I would probably say working on the, uh, the gang team. Okay. Um, because that was a lot of, uh, self-initiated activity. Um, you know, you you and your partner are left up to your own devices, uh, and, and go crush crime. Mm. And you, you better watch what you're doing and be careful, um, because you know you're trying to catch them. They're trying to get away from you, uh, and sometimes they're going to do whatever they have to do uh, to not get caught. And so that's kind of where I, I want to say some heightened awareness. Um, you know, patrol is is, is great and it's very. Uh, you still have to have that same mindset, but it's um, it, it's just it's just a little different on these teams. You know, there's like you need to be self sufficient. You you and your you need to rely on your partner completely. Um, so, I feel like, and correct me if I'm I'm wrong, but I feel like at, whereas patrol, you're just kind of roaming the areas, you know, making sure everything is is, is good. Mm-hmm. 
I th- I feel like that detail that you're explaining right now is you're more so just going and like tugging on the snake's tail. That's a good way to look at it. You okay. are. You okay. are. You're trying to uncover. Um, you know, you're diving into that seedy underbelly of yeah. Uh, you know, uh, of crime. Okay. Uh, of of gang activity, which comes with you know guns and drugs and a whole variety of things. Um, and it's it's just it's just something you you better be on top of your game. Okay. And uh, and that's something that you know me, Jaime, my other partners, we we all we all learned, we all grew together, mm-hmm. um, and learned how to uh, take care of ourselves and uh, take care of each other, uh, which became very important. That was a you know huge lesson in life and a huge lesson. Now that I look back on it, that's really where a lot of it started. Yeah. So. You know, in those, in those type of assignments, you know, you make a name for yourself, right? Because it's not like patrol. Patrol, you get calls for service and you go call to call all day and you might have some time to do some proactive stuff. But, you know, on those assignments, you don't go, you don't get calls. Like dispatch doesn't send you calls. It's oh, all self-initiated okay. stuff. So you can be as proactive or as not proactive as you want. But people will know that though too. They're like, dude, this guy's, this guy sucks. He's like, he's not even a good gang cop or dope cop. Like he's just, you know. He's just there, like, you know, wasting space and taking yeah. air. And there's been guys that were like, dude, this guy's a fucking, this guy's jamming, dude. Like, every gangster yeah. knows his name because he's out there getting guns and making no good shit. arrests. And, like, so no, I'm assuming in this case, you guys already have at least a good amount of intel to know, like, okay, this is where we got to go. This is who we're trying to see, so on and so forth. Yeah, you, you learn that. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you get paired up with. You know, do we do we do we go to gangs at the same time, or were you there before me? I think we were at the same time. We went at the same, so we went, yeah. we went at the we went at the exact same time. And okay. You just get trained by other senior gang guys, and then they yeah. leave, and then you're like the yeah. senior gang guy. But, um, you know, one of the things that you didn't touch on at all, Scott, and I think is a really big portion of your career, is SWAT. Yes, sir. It is massive. Um, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, that was more of the. It's an ancillary <laughs> duty. It's it's extra, but it has been a um, it's a been a. But, enormous part of my uh my life for uh, many years so just i mean kind of talk about how you you know what what, what have you done on the swat team like how, how long have you been there you know how did you start out where are you at now you know in between just you know i think we're pushing almost 18 years 17 to 18 years right now consecutively uh on the swat team no way um and, and how old are you scotty <laughs> 40, 48 my friend 48 48 48 look at 48 year old Kendall dude yeah, <laughs> yeah, 48 year old Kendall uh, you're killing me um, so yeah it's uh, started out uh, it started out perimeter position wanted to be a part of that SWAT team and one of the things that uh, drew me to that particular team was uh, the camaraderie the fact that um, you know egos were set aside um, and everybody you know as long as you do your job we're good yeah and, and i like that because i had seen some uh some other teams or some other elements that the uh, you know egos kind of ran the show yeah like, ah, i don't want to i don't want to get involved with that yeah um but I, I i did like what was going on on that particular team at that time and i wanted to be a part of it and i wanted i wanted to go out and have some fun yeah um and so i started uh you know within perimeter positions and i've literally worked my way all the way to the uh, team commander position uh, right now, and I've been very, very fortunate enough to actually stay on that team. So I, you know, I went from say a perimeter position, um, or actually even before that, running to get equipment. You know, somebody yeah. like, hey, I, you know, ladder up or an apprentice. You know, yeah, there you go, an apprentice, um, and you know, just started at that bottom. 
oh, learned okay. as much as I could. Uh, you know, moved up from say, that to a perimeter position to um, I think one of my next positions. Uh, I got got to go on entry a few times. Then I became a uh, breacher. Um, you know, basically forcing entry into locations or basically responsible for getting the team into the location. Yeah, which I thought that was probably one of my one of my favorite jobs. That was a blast. Um, and then moving on to, uh, from breacher to, uh, team leader. Um, and then from uh, team leader to uh, team commander. Well, you missed the, the, the scout portion. Oh, the scout. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you say everything starts becoming a blur, you know, but, um, yeah, that was actually, uh, from the, uh, breacher actually to scout and, um, and then scout to uh, team leader. And the scouting portion is, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, but that's that particular time in my, um, career on the SWAT team probably, uh, changed the course of my life for, you know, here on out. We're, we're going to get into that, but were we, were we scouts together at one point? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So Scott, so Scott and I were actually scouts together at one point. Um, Mm -hmm. when I became, a scout. Um, he was this the senior scout, my senior scout partner. So he trained me on how to like, and basically what a scout does okay. is like they they plan operations, okay, right, and then they run it through like the team leader and team commanders, mm, and the team okay. leader can say, okay. yeah, we'll do this. That looks good. Yeah. We'll do that. Like when we do war search warrants and yeah. those type of things, they basically plan the operation and they run it through the team leaders and ultimately the team commander, which is what Scott does now. Yeah. So he has the final say. So he oversees the entire team. So like the team leaders, for instance, the, yeah. you know, the, we run the day to day stuff. Yeah. Right. But he oversees the entire team. So I answer oh, okay. to Scott. Oh, okay. Nice. So, um, and you know, that, that was some questions, but you kind of segued into that. Scott, you talked about, uh, <clears throat> obviously this podcast is dealing about dealing with mental health. You talked about, there was a, a portion that when you were a scout, um, that had kind of changed the course of, of, you know, uh, I guess maybe mentally the way you, you, you saw stuff, there was something significant that occurred. Talk about that. So at the time, uh, that I was a scout prior to you and I working, I was working with, um, another scout by the name of Oscar Sean diamond. Um, and I know, uh, you know, people that listen to this podcast may have, uh, have heard his name, um, uh, more than once. Um, but we were partners on that team, uh, and we were partners, uh, as scouts, uh, on that team. And one, we had, I mean, we've done, I can't even count how many scouts and operations we, uh, formulated, planned, um, executed. Everything's great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, and we had actually planned an operation um, in 2014, uh, in October, mm-hmm. and uh, it was going to be a uh, multi-location, multi-agency, um, uh, simultaneous search warrant service, being there are multiple agencies serving multiple warrants at various locations yeah. all at the same time. Um, and we had uh, been given an assignment, um, and you know our team commander had uh, pushed down the uh, location, and it you know described what the what the warrant was really about mm-hmm. and what we were there for, 
um, and gave us direction. Go scout it. Go come up with a game plan. And, uh, and then me and Officer Sean Diamond, Sean, who I'm going to refer to as Sean, um, went and did so. And we did so, uh, scouted it, uh, did what we normally do. Um, everything was fine. Brought it back to our uh, commander, um, approved of our uh, game plan, if you will. Yeah. And then uh, just prior to uh, – right after we basically laid out what we were going to do, we were told uh, by our commander that, hey, you know what? Um, I'm going to end up missing this one. I got to go uh, – he's going to go on vacation. He's going to go on a fishing trip. Cool, man. Good for you. Yeah. You know, live your life. I love it. Um, but uh, what that's going to do is that is going to put a team leader. So everybody's going to bump up after that. That's uh, going to put up. That's going to make a team okay. leader become the commander, right? And that's going to make a scout team leader. A team leader. Okay. So on that faithful uh, uh, event, um, not only did I scout it with Sean, then he, t- you know, the commander tells me you're going to be the uh, team leader. You're gonna you're gonna be the team leader for the actual operation. Okay, cool, all good. And um, this is my first time uh, being a being a team leader. Yeah, your uh, first. It was my it was my first, first one. Yeah, wow. But I've seen I've seen it done. Right, right. You know, it, it, we all we but all. But the trade. first time where you're holding the title, essentially. Yes, sir. Okay, yes, sir. And so uh, we uh, end up uh, going out uh, and. Uh, initiating that warrant service um and at, during that initiation uh of the of the warrant service uh and it's you know there's many many details involved in it uh but ultimately um a shot rang out from inside the home uh out the front door and hit sean diamond and uh drops at my feet um and ultimately he uh he was dead right there he was dead right there um, and that, you know, I, I know we can get into specifics later on, but you know, that is probably what changed the course of my, and, and for the better, you know, I, I've come out on top because of that, but I will never, ever, ever, ever forget, you know, that entire sequence of events, what happened, how they happened. Um, and, uh, you know, there we are. Yeah. So one of the common trends that we noticed and that I myself and even Q have experienced before um, we talk about like significant events and obviously I was there. Yes, you were, sir. You were right there. I was, I was there with you guys, uh, you know, up front and we had actually talked about this before, I think on a previous podcast, uh, we gave a little bit of insight on it before. Um, is survivor's guilt, um, which I think it's some form that I have dealt with, you've dealt mm-hmm. with before. Um, talk about talk about Scott, how you felt. What what are some of the some of the symptoms, some of the feelings that you felt after this incident, or even even during? I think during you know it's, things are still going so fast, but like what what was kind of going through your head, and how did you feel? afterward like during right after and then long term like how did that how did that affect you so as we serve it um like i said a uh you know single shot rings out hits sean he drops literally at the base of my feet um and 
you know, knowing I have a job and, and, and I did not, I know you saw him, yeah. you, you got a better picture of him than I did. Um, his, uh, unfortunately his helmet had, uh, covered his face. Mm-hmm. So when he dropped at my feet, I, that's what I saw. I saw the top of his helmet. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, and so we had, uh, he had been extracted, um, from the location, uh, by SEV medics. Um, and then the, you know, everybody's kind of standing around like, holy shit, like what just happened and what do we do here? Yeah. What do we do now? Um, and obviously when I say that, that is, I'm guessing that's what everybody was saying. Cause, and that's over like fractions of a second. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, we push on, I give direction to push on. Jaime is no joke standing right at the front door. He is our point man, um, on this operation. Um, so I give direction to, we're, we're going to continue. We have a job to do. Let's continue. And we continue it. We, we, uh, send bodies in as in, uh, send uh, officers inside to secure the location. And what I'm feeling at that time is in my head, I'm hoping, okay, he, he got hit, you know, he'll be okay. We'll, we'll, he'll be all right. Yeah. He'll be fine. Um, but you know, let's, let's, let's secure this location. Let's get it done. He'll be all right. And we do so. And, uh, I start, you know, we, we clear the house, remove everybody. Uh, it's, it's safe. It's secure. Um, and you know, obviously I'm walking around to, okay, you're good. You're good. You're good. Uh, talking to my operators and you know, obviously they're asking me a lot of questions and, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I'm just, I'm telling them the same thing that's running through my head. He'll be all right. Yeah. He's good. Um, but you know, we have a job stay where you are. Don't do anything. Just secure the scene. Yeah. So eventually, you know, obviously there's a lot of chaos. We're trying to figure out what's going on. And eventually we get word that, um, he's, uh, you know, uh, hit very bad. We, we didn't know if, if his actual condition while we were in the field. Um, we end up getting relief. Uh, the scene is held by, uh, an outside entity that, that came in. Um, and then we all proceed down to the hospital mm-hmm. and, you know, we talk about, you know, some, some feelings and what I was feeling. And, and this just comes up in my head. I was approached by the, um, trying to think of his title at the time must have been deputy chief um who i'd you know who i'd been um you know familiar with worked for uh, many years and the first thing i said to him i said his uh uh sean's friend mm-hmm. was the uh commander at the time yeah like you know they were like tight yeah. tight and so that was the guy that was on the fishing trip chuck chuck becker right chuck yeah, yeah chuck and so i told uh I told my deputy chief at the time because he had come to see me at the hospital while we're waiting. And I said, Chuck is going to crucify me. He's going to crucify me. And because that's all I could think of was, you know, obviously, you know, the condition of Sean, but that like I let these people down. Yeah. You know, so that was a, uh, that was a, you know, hard thing to swallow at that time because you've put me in charge. I have, you know, taking responsibility and something went wrong. Mm-hmm. Something went horribly wrong. And uh, so I, I felt that, you know, I understand, I understand now, I understood then I did not do that to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I did take a form of responsibility and that has stuck with me for forever. Yeah. And it will. And it's not a, uh, I don't, you know, and we'll discuss, you know, 
later on, but that's a part of me now. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, um, <clears throat> it's not a bad thing. It's, a, I just, I know that it's a part of me and I live with it and that's, that's okay. <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you touched on this and, uh, you know, I, I was with you, yeah. you know, through, through all this and we went to the hospital together, Scott, that was really, that was a really tough time for, for me. Um, you know, one of the things that I, that I always remembered is that like Sean was like, he was like really machismo type of guy, like a, like a type person. And those guys, like things don't happen to those guys. Yeah. Very much so. They yeah. Things don't like things happen to other guys that are like complacent. Right. 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 He wasn't, he wasn't that type of guy. Um, and when I saw, you know, you know, remember we all took turns going into the hospital and, yeah. and we took it by like two, by two, two people at a time went to go see him and basically say their goodbyes to him. Yeah. And I just remember his face was like wrapped up mm-hmm. in like gauze and they just had him on life support. Yeah, he had a mask on. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, it was, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but I just remember like when I saw him, I remember my perspective changed. Like, man, if Scott, if, if this could happen to, to Sean, then, you know, he's a heavy hitter. Like yeah. he's, this could happen to anybody. And I remember that kind of changed my, my perspective, you know, when I was in that room and I, and I saw him, um, but yeah, so, so one of the things that you said, Scott is, and I kind of want to talk about because it's very common. Um, you carried this burden, you know, on your, on your shoulders, uh, that you said that you felt responsible a little bit for it. Um, and you've carried it with you th- throughout your career and even today still. Yes. How, what, what's, what's the balance? Because what you feeling people feel that we've had people that come here. They have felt this burden. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, the reason we're doing this podcast is because we also have, we, sh- we share this burden in different yes, ways. Yes. How have you managed that? Like, how have you, you, you know, have you tried to get rid of it? Do you want to get rid of it? You know, one of the things that we asked in a previous podcast with Alex was like, you know, Alex felt this, you know, with, with, with Casillas, he felt this survivor's guilt. We mm-hmm. had asked Alex, well, do you want to get rid of this, this guilt? And, you know, Alex said, a part of me doesn't. I don't want to because I don't, I don't want to forget about it. So I guess what I'm asking you is like, tell us like what's, what's with this burden that you hold. Is it something that you want to get rid of? Is it something that you don't want to get rid of? Have you tried? Just kind of talk about that a little bit. I don't want to get rid of it. The, the, like I said, I, that's kind of how I segued into it. I said, it, it, this event changed my life and it changed my life in what I would say. Um, I'm going to turn it. I'm going to make it a positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I want, want to do. And that's what I'm striving to do is to, to turn that into a positive. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get rid of it. Um, it's, you know, showed me that life is precious. Life is fragile. Yeah. yeah. This can happen. Like you said, I mean, mm-hmm. to anybody, um, this was a, a very special set of circumstances. And even upon recreation of the event, we're all, all of us, including yourself, were astounded that this shot hit him where it hit him, when it hit him, and how, like, yeah. you can't recreate that. Yeah. It was such a lucky thing that it happened. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, upon, you know, digesting that, the, uh, knowing that he had passed, um, uh, I remember going up and it was just something that was natural for me. Um, 
talking with my wife about it. I remember standing in the kitchen and having a couple drinks. And it was odd because we had to relive this kind of several times over the course of uh, the trial. Yeah. We had a couple trials. Mm -hmm. And so obviously this would bring up all these feelings over and over and over. And one of the things that I kind of think back now and I laugh is that even in the first night, uh, the first night when I was, wasn't at the hospital, things said, you know, everybody's like, go home. Okay. So we go home and I, um, uh, obviously start talking with the wife and I just start laying out the, all these details and we probably stood around the counter of our kitchen for, geez, man, two, three hours. Didn't sit down. I yeah. don't know why. Yeah. We didn't yeah. sit down. Stood there, you know, uh, making cocktails, drinking, hashing it up, and I'm just getting it off my chest. I'm just, you know, it's not an angry manner. It was just, I'm just talking with her. Yeah. Because that's what my outlet was at that time. And I had developed such a relationship with her that, that uh, that's what I wanted to. That's the person yeah. I wanted to, um, you know, express myself to yeah. and be vulnerable to. Um, and, you know, I had made that choice in life that she was that person that I'm going to, yeah. that's who I'm going to open up to. So it may not have been, uh, uh, if she wasn't there, I'm not sure who I would have gone to. But So, and, and that's kind of what I wanted to get into because, you know, you brought up, using an outlet and I was going to ask you because you said you tried using this negative situation, turning it into something positive to learn from it and to become a better person, better leader. Um, and I feel like a lot of people get stuck on just the negative, like, well, what if, what if this, what if that, what if we would have called a different play, things like that. Um, and the fact that you were able to just kind of be more positive about it, um, and as far as the outlets that you used to, you know, to heal yourself, was it just strictly your wife? Um, were there other sources that you used to, to help you navigate these waters? There was a lot of self-reflection on what was done, how it was done, but ultimately I understood. And, and, and through my own life experience, things happen. I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of what happens in the world. Um, I'm conscious that uh, somebody, a family walking down the street and uh, a car jumps the curb and takes them out. Yeah. You, you, can't, you can't prevent that. Yeah. And that's something that th- things happen. This event, it happened. Although, you know, the mindset of a lot of us, I'm sure Jaime holds it as well, and a lot of uh, law enforcement and military, like, that doesn't happen to me. Yeah. Well, it did happen to me. Yeah. You know? And it does happen to us. Yeah. And it yeah. does happen to those that that, you know, really, you know, you don't, you don't think it's going to happen, but it does. Yeah. And then, um, you know, but, but like, like your outlet, that was my outlet. Um, we had spoken to, I mean, I think we, you know, obviously we're required to go talk to a um, psychologist or a therapist, um, which is beneficial. Um, and I guess I was of a, of the mindset right out the gate. Like I don't have any, I don't have any problem discussing that um, uh, on a one-on-one situation. Uh, I think we even had it uh, probably a couple team therapy, quote-unquote therapy sessions where did I say anything? No, I didn't say anything. Um, But because there's that, I wasn't comfortable saying anything in that environment at the time. Yeah. At the time. So now looking back at that, you know, God forbid something happens like that again. Um, 
do you think if you were to come into a group setting and talk about it, would you try to at least guide your, your operators to be like, Hey guys, it's okay. Like, let's talk about it. Open up. Don't hold it back. Thousand percent, sir. A thousand percent. And that is one of the things that I said that has uh, changed me. Um, is I saw that I limited myself on who I spoke to about it, how I spoke to them, what I said to them. Um, and, but in that, in that journey, if you will, I learned that that's not the right path, that there are numerous outlets for something like that and not to hold it in. Get yeah. that off of your chest. So my, my good friend Carlos, who was actually in here earlier, um, he brought up this analogy. And when he told me it, I'm like, dude, like that, it blew my mind because he was saying a lot of us, um, and he was referring to most men, but I'm, I'm going to put this into, into our perspective, uh, military first responder. Um, we go through a situation and we have to apply a tourniquet, you know, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, is that we group up together and we start realizing like, Oh, Hey, I got a tourniquet on. So do you, you know, but what else? Like, what are we going to do to help ourselves get that tourniquet off? You know? And so whether it's therapy, whether it's talking to your wife, um, and I think that's something that we need to understand that um, there's a lot of us that are that have these tourniquets on and we have to be able to heal each other to take them off. And everyone's healing process is going to be different. You know, someone might need to get their leg amputated. Someone else might just need stitches. Mm-hmm. And to me, it made perfect sense because yeah, like everyone's healing process is going to be different. Um, but I'm really glad that you as a leader now, um, you're one to emphasize, Hey guys, don't hold on to this. You know, it's okay to let it go. There's been other, uh, traumatic events, uh, unfortunate deaths, um, and significant events where somebody did not pass away. Uh, but were gravely injured mm-hmm. um, since that time, since that incident with me with Sean, um, and I had made a you know a, a solid point of going to people, seeing what they need. Is there anything I can do? Please do this. Please, please don't hold this in. Yeah, go talk to somebody. Do something that makes you happy. Do something. You know, uh, discuss the incident. Don't don't hold that burden. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's so important to get that out in the open and so important to, I think, self-identify what, what you need yeah. to heal yourself. You know, and sometimes that is a, that's a journey is in itself is identifying what you need. Oh yeah, for sure. You're really the only one that can decide what that is. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, something that we always say almost every other episode is, is, um, you know, therapy or this healing journey, it's not a one size fits all. Yeah. You know, what works for you isn't going to work for me and isn't going to work for Jaime, you know, and vice versa. What's working for me isn't going to work for you guys. Um, it's just like you said, wanting to at least execute that journey of like, okay, what is going to fix me? What is going to help me? I think the bigger issue is that when you know, you need the fixing and you're just like, no, I could do it on my own. I'm Okay. You know, you know, one of the things I remember, Scotty, about that, and this is a really good point when we talk about like uh, machismo and chest, you know, chest puffing and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. 
is after this Sean Diamond incident, they brought um, a counselor down, right, from CTI or wherever we use. I don't know. So she, it yeah. was, it was, it was, it was a female that came down to the SWAT office. And mind you, you got all these SWAT officers that had been on the team like 10, 15 years, right? Yeah. Um, that had just been through this very tragic incident. And you had this counselor come in the room, this therapist or psychologist or whatever. And she's she came up front and she's telling us the SWAT guy. She says, hey, everybody put your tables in a circle. And mind you, the SWAT guys were already like, we don't fucking need this bullshit and i remember that because i was a swat guy on the team. yeah yeah i also said that yeah i also said we don't need the, who the who the fuck is this she yeah. don't even i'm not taught she had us put our tables in a circle and remember we were bitching about putting yeah. tables in a circle we were like yeah. oh god so that she made us put but we didn't do it we're like we're not doing that we're not moving our tables in a circle she wanted us like a big circle sweep. Yeah. We're like, nope, we're not doing that. So we left our tables alone. she was like oh she she like she was like okay well just you know we'll, we'll, we'll leave them how they are <laughs> And poor lady, you know, and, and this is just, you know, my mindset, this talks about like how maturity, like how, where I've come at least, you know, at least personally. And, and you know, I'm sure Scott will also attest to this. Um, is at the time we were so closed off to it. Mm-hmm. You know, we were so closed off to the idea of having an outsider come in and help us. And I, you know, I, you know what they, you know what the guys were doing at the time when the, when she came in, they were like, she's hot. <laughs> Do listen to this. They were trying to find her Facebook profile. And I don't know how they did it, but these savages <laughs> found her Facebook profile. They're like, look, look, she's married to a cop. Like, And here she is trying to give us like this therapy after this yeah. like, shooting. One of our partners was just killed. Yeah. And we laugh about that, but that's how people deal with it. Yeah. It's a weird way sometimes, right? It's a, not a one size fits all. And that didn't work at the time. But you know what I came to find out later? that a lot of guys at the time they sought counseling one-on-one yeah oh yeah because they either didn't feel safe to do it in front of everybody else Mm -hmm. or whatever the case was there's probably different reasons right yeah um speaking for me personally i i it it was it would have been more beneficial at the time to have just like you know had a beer with scott or talk to the boys right guys that were there as opposed to a therapist i'm you know my mind is different now i think my mind it's just has come a long way. You're more, you're more mature, and this is one you know, of the things that you are, why you're doing what you're doing yeah. right now as we speak, uh, trying to, if someone else can learn from, we'll call it our mistakes, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. That, that, that's the whole point of this. Yeah. Learn from, how about this? I'll speak for myself and myself alone. Learn from my mistakes. That's not the way to do it. Yeah. That is not the way to do it. You need to have that outlet. You need to understand the gravity of the situation. And that this is, it's an ugly, you know, a ugly event has transpired and it's going to weigh on you. You need to, you need to be able to recognize that and learn from people that have dealt with it in the past. And hopefully, you know, that little bit of assistance, that little bit of guidance, somebody listening to this, you know, kind of in their mind. Yeah. You know what? Maybe these guys are onto something. Yeah. Well, like we always say, you know, as long as we could touch one. Yeah. You know, um, and you know, this is now we're just like scratching the surface. This is, you know, this is not the only event that Scott has been in. Scott has, you know, he's, he was involved in a shooting in his career also. Mm-hmm. Um, the result in the death of, you know, somebody, um, 
you know, being a 20 plus year cop, mm-hmm. Scott, and having and, and running a SWAT team and having been involved in, you know, these critical incidents, especially in incident like Sean, right? That's like, there's a, just a lot of trauma involved in that. How has your perspective changed professionally? And how has your perspective changed personally, like at home with friends, with, with your wife, Emily? Like just talk about that. Like talk about work. How's it changed at work and how's it changed at home? So like I said before, the uh, uh, it was a life-changing event. And that life-changing um, event led me to strive to be, let's say, a better supervisor. Let's say a better team leader. Um, oversight of personnel. I do not ever, ever, ever want to have this happen to anyone um, as much as I can prevent it. Yeah. And so I took my experiences um, and applied those to a variety of situations, um, tried to do things the in the safest manner possible, tried to limit our exposure um, to threatening situations, which is you can't limit them all, yeah. but you can mitigate some of these threats, if you will. And uh, if I'm providing direction to um, other people that are working with or for me, um, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to protect them as much as I can because we talk about that, you know, that term survivor's guilt. I felt like I didn't, could I have done more? I don't know. But I feel this, I have this weight of, I want to protect who I can. Right. Something went wrong here, over here, and I want to protect those that I can. And if I have to make decisions, if I have to, you know, say we're not doing this, you know, in this manner, A, B, or C, and I'm the bad guy because these guys are, you know, all gung-ho, like, ah, don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. No. Yeah. I, 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 and so that, that has changed me. And so sometimes – you know, you're you're looked at it like, why why won't he let me do this? Yeah, I'm just trying to look out for you, man. I don't want anything bad to happen. I know I can't prevent all of it, but over the course of my career, that is that has changed the, how I, I how I look at things yeah. and how I evaluate things. Yeah, I, I was going to ask before you get onto the family side. Um, after after the Sean Diamond incident, um, now how hard was it for you to not? you know, get inside your head on the decision-making side of it where like where you start questioning yourself like, okay, well, is this the right way to go or, or, you know, other options? How was that obstacle to get over? It was difficult. It was difficult to get over. Um, uh, but it was one of those things where I said to myself uh, and, and, and getting back into that decision-making process, especially in the tactical realm, um, was, uh, slow. Um, but I, I kept, you know, trying to tell myself this is it's something that has to be done. Um, and you want to make a difference. You need to uh, evaluate things appropriately. But and so for the first few operations, it was kind of sketchy, mm-hmm. like in my mind. Um, and so it, it, and you're just holding, your, you're keeping your fingers crossed. Did I did I evaluate everything appropriately? Have I have I mitigated everything I can mitigate? Yeah. Um, and you know, I've been fortunate enough that. You know, nothing's happened since. Knock on wood. Um, but it's it's something that uh, it, it sticks with me, and eventually you do get over it. Yeah. Um, uh, if you're lucky enough, yeah. um, because I understand that not everybody does, but um, it, it takes effort. And to think that you're going to, 
get over it in the in the course of a day or a week is foolish. Yeah. Don't think that, you know, I don't want anybody to think that any, anybody listening, it's not going to, it's not going to, you know, just disappear over the course of a day or, or a week. Yeah. It's going to be a, it's going to be, it's going to take some time. Um, but if you put forth some effort, you'll get over it and, yeah. uh, you'll get, uh, you know, the cliche, get back on the saddle, man. Yeah. So. Um, I'm assuming it just gets easier because I'm sure there's situations that, that, you know, will bring up a little trigger where you're like, oh, shoot, you know, and not necessarily spiral you down, but just. No, it, it doesn't spiral you down, but there's, in my current position, in my current position on the SWAT team, every one of those guys is one of my friends. Right. You know, Jaime Martinez sitting across from me is one of my friends. Um, and he is leading that team yeah. going through those doors now. Mm-hmm. And where am I? I'm like two blocks away. Yeah, but I'm still, I still hold responsibility. I still um, am nervous every time. Oh yeah, for sure. When uh, okay, okay, you know, all right, uh, they're going in. Yeah. You know, and believe me, I, uh, you know, say my little prayer and 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 cannot wait until Jaime tells me, all right, hey, uh, you know, whatever the ops done, like we're good for Scott. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Man. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're good. We're good. I can, you know, and it, yeah. it just it's that. It can breathe a little easier. I can breathe a little easier. Yeah. 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 Now, what about the family side? Um, the, let me repeat the, the question again. What was it? How, how you know, how, how has, we, we talked about like how no. your critical instances have shaped and how, how, how your perspective has changed at work and how has it changed? At home, and yeah. even being a married man and having mm-hmm. yeah. having a son, I've um, yeah, uh, nineteen years old, man. Dang, uh, darn near a grown man right now. Um, is he like a Ken doll Junior? <laughs> <laughs> Dude's tall, man. He's he's like his grandfather. <laughs> you know what's scary is you know we used to you know we used to hang out. Sc- Scotty has a house over at the river, and um, when Scott used to like me, he would invite me over there. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, and dude. we would go. We would go. Oh. We would go. You know, you know, we'd go yeah. water sports and shit. Yeah. Day. No, that's all. That's a joke. Um, but I've, you know, I've been over there several times, and mm-hmm. we used to go to the, you know, the river and stuff together. And I remember his, his son's name is Aiden, and he was like a little boy. And this is what's scary. You know, when you see people, you know, you want to know when you when you start getting old, and it's scary when you see people's kids, and you don't see them that often, but every time you see them. They're like, they're like, dude, this, this, this kid, he's not a kid, but he it was like, it was like, I think it was last year, wasn't it? He's got, I saw him. He's taller than us. Oh yeah. He's got like this fucking big ass. I mean, he's in college now, right? He goes to college. Like he's a college kid, you know, and he's his own life. He's got his girl. Yeah. He's just got this big beard. And I'm like, what? You, you used to get my beers from the refrigerator. Like, yeah. What happened? Like, what the fuck happened to you? That's what's scary. Yeah. I think I'm just sitting on the couch and he comes in and he's like, what the, who the hell is this? He's grown ass man. Yeah. I'm like, who is this kid? Like, yeah. You know, I was ready to pull my gun out. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> That's funny. So he broke into Scott's house. So how has but, your perspective with family? But, but the perspective, uh, the perspective changed it. Um, again, like I said, it, it definitely highlights the fact that life is fragile. Life is short. Um, and you need to make the best of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have done, uh, everything I can to ensure that I make the best of it. I let, um, my loved ones know I love them, mm-hmm. talk to them more, um, spend more time with them. I spend more time for myself. 
I spend more time with my wife. Uh, I spend, you know, uh, time with my son. Uh, I do everything. I don't put anything off. Mm-hmm. I will literally be, you know, say driving to work and think of something that, you know, I should, I haven't talked to so-and-so or I should probably, you know, tell my, you know, my relative that, you know, I, I've, I've been thinking of him and hoping things are going well and I don't get to see you all the time. And that thought may in the past have uh, entered my head and I would continue on to work and I'll call him eventually. Yeah. I'll make that point. I literally will pick up that phone hey, and, and, and call him. No way. But little things like that. Yeah. I, 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 may, I take, take the time, the moments, um, you know, we, uh, just something that we personally do. We like to travel. Yeah. And we have picked up our game big time on traveling in the last uh, several years. And that is all in an effort to take care of yourself, you know, spend that time with family, um, decompress from from life, from, you know, work, wh- whatever it may be. Yeah, oh, yeah. Dang. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, and, and that's what that's how that's what I do. And that's not necessarily what everybody else does. But as long as you can look into yourself and identify what that is for you, you know, I wholeheartedly encourage you to spend some time to figure that out. Yeah. Because your life, your your quality of life will increase exponentially <laughs> and you will be so much happier, you know? Yeah. So. Wow. That's... That's really powerful, Scott. Um, man, I, I I wish a lot of our young cops – well, not our – not even our. I wish a lot of young first responders out there, right? Yeah. Like young military guys take heed to what you're saying, right? Because this is – you know, I see a lot of young guys, not just young first responders, even, you know, young guys that are gung-ho and stuff in, in any field, firefighting, whatever, young military guys – and a lot of them don't take the time to like smell the roses until yes. it's too late or yes. until it's like a traumatic event, right? Guilty. Oh yeah. Hey, guilty oh, as yeah. charged. Yeah. Guilty as fucking charged. That's dude. that's why I say learn from learn from our mistakes. Gu- 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 guilty as charged, and I wish they hear this and they just kind of, you know, young guys are you know and gals are going to be full of piss and vinegar, or whatever, dude. They're going to go through their own trials and tribulations like we did. Um, but. I, what I also pray is that they hit a point like right, like we've hit in our lives, where our perspectives change on things, and we're like, wait a minute, yeah, maybe that's not so important, right? Maybe, right. maybe, right. maybe not running in a fucking blaze of glory into that house to get a bag of dope or get this or yeah, get that. It's completely it's, throwing caution to the wind, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Thank you. Um, it, it, maybe it's not really that important, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe no. you know our families are important and and quality time and vacations and well i think a big one is just that you go through so many traumatic events and you know you'll go through where physically at least like nothing happens and then nothing happens and you know dodge a bullet dodge a rocket whatever it may be so you start getting this complex of you know that you're invincible and so you start putting off all these priorities or these important things of family of being present of trying to better yourself because you're like i'll get to that later i'll get to that later and then it's not until something hits close to home something hits close to the chest and you're just like whoa like no like later later 
later isn't promised. Yes. You know, and because I was at fault for that, where I kept telling myself, I, you know, later, uh, you know, later. And then it wasn't until I started seeing my world pretty much crumble in front of me that I was like the way I was doing it, putting everything off, um, making, you know, whether it was alcohol, partying, making that my solution to all my issues, a priority that I started realizing, dude, like this, this isn't the answer. Like this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and so, you know, to all the young cops out there, young, uh, you know, uh, people in the military, it's like, don't be afraid to just stop and compose yourself, take a deep breath, be present. Um, cause I know when I was in the military, I, I would hardly reach out to my parents, you know, would hardly reach out. And, you know, n- now I have a, an amazing relationship with them, but I tell myself, I'm like, i if I would have just built a strong relationship with them during those times, I felt like my growth would have been so much better and I would have gone so much farther personally, emotionally, mentally, you know, maturity wise. Yeah. Um, and, but now, man, you know, we're, we're, we're young, dumb and, you know, so. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's interesting that, like I said, you know, Scotty, people like you are cut from a certain mold, right? Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you wanted me to say this or not, but, you know, Scott's had, he, he, he had uh, surgery recently, like on his uh, hip. I had a hip replacement. Okay. He had a hip replacement. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, we do SWAT and I write these, these, these wads that I steal from like Corey and shit. <laughs> and this motherfucker's got a hip replacement. Yeah. And he's out there still doing these. I'm like, dude, he's <laughs> no, still running, you know. Now, are you, are you, are you writing them on purpose to try to fuck them up or? No, just, I'm just, no, I'm just trying to kill everybody else. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And believe me, he does, dude. He does. He gets some good. Hey, props to Corey though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and, and, and I mean, that just goes to show you like, you know, perseverance and, you yeah. know, I think your, your, your body can get beat up. Your, yeah. your, your mind can get beat up a little bit. Right. Yeah. But that perseverance, the thing it'll go on. Yeah. You can, you can overcome whether that's, uh, you know, getting a, <laughs> an implant, yeah. uh, yeah. Or, or whatever it may be, but y- you can get past this, Yeah, yeah. you know, whatever, um, has gone sideways if you will there's all there's 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 a way past it and i understand that it is sometimes difficult to identify that way yeah um but there is a way and you will find it not only physically but mentally because you're you're showing it yeah that's my proving it yeah it's i'm using that as a metaphor like yeah but but you know if you if you are little something's a little wrong upstairs and uh something's bothersome Mm -hmm. and mentally there there are ways there are ways Mm -hmm. around it you know i'm this is going to sound like really <laughs> cynical, sinister, even. Um, but for years, actually, for like the last fifteen, right? It's been like fifteen years. We've been on the team together. Yeah. Um, Scott and I have always competed. Every oh. year, every year we have we have a a, a physical assessment test. Mm-hmm. So, like to stay on the team, you have to like do a physical assessment test. Yeah. So every year, can y'all invite me to the next one? Every year, <laughs> January. At January, yeah. Every year, Scott and I, we would compete with times. Yeah. And he was smart at me because he was always like, he would let me go first and then he knew what my time was and what uh, he had to beat. I just got to do it. Just got to do it just a little bit. So little he bit. knew, he like, he knew. Yeah. And for years, it was always like one year he would beat me the next year he would beat yeah. me the next year. Yeah. Like we would hop back, yeah. back and forth. We would hop back and forth. Yeah. And I think Scott probably has, you know, he had me on a couple years. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> he was just not anymore, man. He was like, he, he was just a specimen his yeah. whole, you know, his whole career. And finally, when he got his hip replacement, I was like, I think I got this motherfucker. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and that's the shit we think of, bro. I'm like, gotcha, bitch. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm like, I'm like I think I got this motherfucker. I think I can take him now. Now you just got to get your hip replaced, and then we'll see. Then, then we'll see how the two compete. That's you know what, bro. It's gonna come. It's a vicious cycle. Oh yeah, dude. It's a vicious cycle, bro. Yeah. And, yeah. and and there was there was no rhyme or reason for that. Just straight wore out. Yeah. Like, you know, active, oh yeah. Just straight yeah. wore out. Like yeah. You know, so it is. It is what it is. Yeah. But that's wow. too funny. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious, man. Yeah. Um, man, Scott, you've been through a lot. Let me ask you this question: What advice? So now that you're in a position, now you're in a, you're a lieutenant. Um, you know you're 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 in a middle management position. Uh, where as a watch commander, it's basically you you like run all the patrol operations yeah. that day, right? Like you, every day of the watch commander, you run the entire patrol operations, the sergeants, the corporals, everybody out there. Having experienced all these things, Scott, in your whole entire life, and even not just not just a traumatic instance, right? But growing up in, in different parts of the world and seeing how different people live in third world countries and all these perspectives that you have have and molded you into who you are today. What advice, even if the young cops that do listen, the young first responders, firefighters, medics, military guys, military gals, what advice would you give them in having all your experience that would lead them to maybe having a balanced life or how to, how to, how to make it through a career? Right, because you're you're you know you have a couple years left in your career, right? And you're yeah. gonna yeah. close that chapter and you know, God willing, move on to something else. Mm-hmm. You know, what advice would you give them with everything that you've experienced so that they can they can make it to that? That's a good one. Yeah, we get to, exactly. I think we could talk uh, for a long time about that, but um, <laughs> live each day day by day, and 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 don't take it for granted. I guess is what I would say. Um, there are opportunities around every corner um, to make yourself happy, to better yourself, yeah. to um, do good things for yourself, do good things for others. Yeah. Um, don't take don't take things for granted. Um, life is going to go on without you. Um, and while you have yours, live it to the fullest. Yeah. You know, there's there's nothing wrong with um, being dedicated to a, a profession, um, dedicated to uh, whatever your family. Um, take time for yourself. Uh, take time for uh, friends, family, and do things that make you happy. Don't put and if something's not making you happy, stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Do something else. Um, and continual assessment. Well, you know, it just just because it, things time goes by in the blink of an eye, right? You know, life goes by in the blink of an eye. And you said it before, Q. If you don't stop and smell the roses, man, it's gonna blow right by you. Mm-hmm. So if if that if I could 
you know, for somebody that is starting out in life and, uh, or anyone really just one day at a time, yeah. live your life, do things that make you happy. Love it. I like it, man. Love it. That's great advice. Wow. That's great advice. Yeah. Cute. Uh, no, nah, man, it's, uh, it's been an honor to, uh, sit down with you. Um, second time seeing you actually, you know, I was able, you know, I was lucky enough to meet you at, at our live recording. And, um, so funny cause before we started recording, I kept thinking to myself, I never mentioned it to Jaime, but I was like, man, when are we going to bring him on? I was like, I feel like that one right there, that one right there would be good. And, uh, you know, I, I thank you very much for coming on and, and being, you know, our episode, our first episode into, into our second season. Um, you know, I, today, as we talked about evolve making that bourbon for us and, and whatnot. Um, I never would have thought that this would be here where we're at now, where a distillery would be labeling a bourbon Mm -hmm. after our name. This was just an idea of, you know, veterans and first responders sitting down together to share these war stories and to let listeners and each other know that, we're not alone in this journey. It's okay to reach out. Um, you know, just get the help that you need, whichever help that is. And, uh, so I truly appreciate you, Scott, for coming on, sharing your story, um, sharing your testimony and, uh, you know, giving us a little insight into what you've gone through and, and how you've been able to be resilient through all of it. Um, dude, you're, you're a testament to, you know, growth through uh, struggles. You know, more than more than happy to do it, and um, uh, happy, proud proud to be here. And, and I thank you very very much. Yeah, so thank you for that, Jaime. Oh man, Scotty is a good one. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> we've had a, we've had a long we've had a you know we've had a good career, bro. I look back at it and love every minute of it, pal. <laughs> we've had a good career. You're you know you're you're closer to the end than I am. Um, but we've had a good career. I mean, we've had on and off duty you know we've had good times together we've worked together we've had a lot of we've been mm-hmm. in a lot of good stuff and off you know off work too we've had a lot of good times together yep um you know through the years and where i'm at in my career now my priorities and my perspectives have changed especially as of late right mm-hmm. as of the last several months mm-hmm. um and you said a word that i actually have you know written down as you know you're talking scotty i write these little things down because they mm-hmm. help me to remember mm-hmm. like as we come to this capstone and you said one of the things q that's a big word that i'm going to say right now when i think of a good leader i think of resiliency right because everybody has been through a lot of people not everybody mm-hmm. but a lot of people have been through traumatic incidents right and some are a lot worse than others some are, right? people yeah. die and you know, those type of things. Um, but when I think of a good leader, I think of a leader that goes through those type of things but is has the ability to be resilient and come on top of those incidents, right, and turn those incidents, like you said, Scott, yeah. into positive, mm-hmm. right, because it's, 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 it's a negative energy, but you find the way to turn it into a positive energy. And, and do good things with it and, and learn from it. Um, and that's you. You you were resilient in what you did. And, you know, I, I, you've always been a good leader. You've been a good friend, Scott. You've been a good partner. Um, you know, you're a good leader 
to me and a good mentor through the years. Uh, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful to have you on here. I'm thankful that you have a balance in your life that, man, I, I, I pray that other people look at that and like want to emulate, right? Cause you have a good relationship. You know, I, I know I, your personal life. I am lucky. I, I do not deny that well, in, in that manner. Here's what I would say. I'm going to disagree with you there real quick. Oh, really? I would say that you're not lucky. It takes work. Right. It wasn't I, I just, guess, okay. you didn't just roll the dice no, no, you're right. and you no, got luck. Yes, like you it, worked on that, right? You worked on your personal yes, life, right? Yes, yes, Um You didn't just roll the dice and then you got lucky. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, you, you put work in your work life. A hundred percent. You put work in your personal life with your son and your wife. Yes. And, you know, I know because we hung out, we've hung yeah. out yep. multiple times mm-hmm. before and through our, you know, through our careers and stuff in our lives. Um, and you do, you have a good balance at home. You have a great balance at work and, you know, you don't just talk the talk, but you know, you walk the walk. And even and there may be a lot of cops in our department. They may look at you, Scott. You probably look at me, and they're like, "What's he? What's yeah, he? Yeah. You know, they've been there one year. They don't know. Right? Only yeah. patrolled four years. What's you know? Who are you? You never worked. Yeah. You know? And they don't know. Yeah. But you know, I know. And 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 those of us that have been around a little bit, you know, know. Um, and we're just we're you know I'm grateful to have. Um, a leader like you uh, on SWAT throughout our years. I'm I'm grateful to have a a partner that you know we we've, we've been through a lot of stuff together. Yeah, you know, um, and just a good friend. You know, mm-hmm. we've hung out. You know, we know each other. We know each other's families, and uh, you know, for those listening, you, you've gave really good points. You know, you 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 look at traveling and you do those type of things that keep you balanced you know mm-hmm. and and for those that are stuck and are dealing with demons you know you've offered some insight hopefully you know maybe they could try traveling and that might help them something or something you know what i mean so um you know thank you for for your insight and everything that you've shared and yeah we could we got to bring it back because he's oh, got so sure. much more stuff for sure but, um, yeah definitely be bringing you back so, and there's and, and i would love to yeah and uh as we were talking to you about coming on here, um, you know, when he asked and, and let it be known, I do this because of our relationship. Yeah. Um, if somebody else would have asked it, that may be a completely different story, but I do this because of our relationship between yeah. you and I. And as long as you're friends with him, we're friends. I mean, I appreciate that. You know likewise. I mean? Likewise. Um, yeah. Likewise. So uh, I do this for the two of you. Thank you. Oh, man, I do that for everybody listening, yeah. but especially for you, Jaime, okay? I appreciate it. Bro. Truly honored, man. Yeah. Truly honored. It, man. Before we finish off, though, um, one more cheers um, to you, Scott. To Scotty. Uh, Thank you, Jaime. Appreciate you. One more cheers for uh, Officer Sean Diamond as well. Yeah, Sean. Cheers, Sean. Cheers, cheers to him. Thank you. And as we wrap up our season two, episode one, for those out there real quick um, that need a little bit of help and need someone to talk to if you feel like you don't have someone in your life to run to, um, whether it's a friend or a family member, please know that there are people out there that are willing to listen and willing to help you. Um, and there's a suicide hotline that uh, is 988. Give it a call. Um, you can text it as well. Text the number 988 and someone will be on the other line willing to help you. If you don't want to call or text, um, you can jump on your phone and uh, get onto their website. And that website is 988lifeline.org. 
Guys, brothers and sisters, there's always someone out there for you. There's always someone out there willing to help you. Um, Please get the help. We don't want to lose another one. But on that note, cheers, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Cheers. Cheers. Whiskey and War Stories, out.